0: Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm here with Nicole Papastavru, guitarist and vocalist of Kalias. Did I did I say that right that time?
1: Yes, you did. Kalias.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. The listeners know I have a, a habit of uh, mispronouncing things, so I always want to get that right. Thank you for your time and welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to be on the podcast today. So,
0: yeah. 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 Definitely. We're glad to have you. And um, just like we always do, we'll go right to the beginning Um, We know that um, you have uh, uh, some new music coming out. You have Metal Injection debuting a single uh, and a video. We're going to get to all that in the tour. But as I always say, are you from a particularly musical family? Are there musicians that predate you in the family? Or was there anyone growing up that kind of steered you towards playing music?
1: Well, to answer the first part of that question, no. um, There really wasn't anybody musical in my family. um, But my parents did want me to uh learn an instrument at a young age so when i was like nine or ten years old they kind of like gave me the option like hey pick an instrument and then we'll get you lessons um and i didn't really have any influence at the time so um i i ended up picking up guitar because i remember um my dad used to bring home laser discs of um live garth brooks concerts Hmm. And really, really random, but I ended up seeing him smash a acoustic guitar on stage. So in my mind as a kid, I thought, like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, that's, you know, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to play guitar so I can smash a guitar on stage.
0: Wow, Garth Never. Rooks.
1: I know. I never got into country music or anything. Um, still haven't smashed a guitar on stage to to this day. Um, but that was just kind of like the initial uh You know reason I made that decision was because I saw that and something just clicked Um, and then you know like I started listening to like kind of stuff I would find on the radio because I didn't really have anybody um, telling me what to listen to so I really just gravitated towards like um, rock and grunge and was listening to like K-rock and um, really got into like Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains Soundgarden So that's kind of like where I started. And really, I didn't discover metal until, um, you know, junior high, high school, when I started like meeting other people that played guitar and were like telling me about, you know, all these bands and guitar players that I should check out.
0: Okay, and and what age do you um, I mean, uh, like when do you seriously start playing guitar and do you take lessons at first?
1: Yeah, I started taking lessons, um, when I was like nine or 10 years old. So I took lessons for the first, I believe like maybe like a year or two. Um, I guess they were really, you know, expensive at the time. So my parents tried to just get me started with something to where like I learned how to read tabs and just kind of learn, um, some of my favorite band songs. So I kind of just learned like that. And then from there, um, I started trying to uh, learn things by ear, um, you know, a couple years later. So that's kind of how that started as far as learning um, and taking lessons.
0: Okay, and in high school, were you able to get a band together where you guys wrote original music or anything like that?
1: My first band actually was in high school. I think I was in 10th or 11th grade or something. And uh, by that time, um, I'm actually from LA. So um, at that time, we moved up to Northern California, and I started getting kind of familiar with like the scene up there, and um, you know, looking around for people that needed a guitar player in their band. So I think I was just I don't, somehow looking on the internet and in forums like anybody need like a like a metal guitar player, and I found some like metalcore band in the East Bay that needed a guitar player. So that was really the first like official band that I joined when I was like 15, 16 years old. Um and you know they had original music and I was able to like contribute and and start writing and that was my first like writing experience writing original music.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I neglected to mention so you're from LA and then you end up moving up to northern California, which for the listeners, they know I mean the cat's out of the bag, I'm from New York the minute I open my mouth, but um. Uh, uh, that's obviously a far cry from New York, California We have listeners all over the world Maybe just describe quickly the difference between L.A. and Northern California There's a lot of people that don't realize that
1: um, You know, before we dive deeper into this I've actually, I've moved around a lot Okay So, you, you know, my dad was a pilot So, like, we moved around a lot um, But I actually spent the majority of my adult life in New York so I I moved to New York um you know my early 20s and I only just moved back to LA uh at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. So so really we should be comparing LA to New York,
0: right? Okay. All right. All right. All right.
1: Spend, like too much time in Norcal. Maybe like I don't know, 6 6 years like my teenage years were all in Norcal and then after that started touring and, and moved to New York. So.
0: Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm glad I cleared it up then at least. And I, I just like to give like the regional references for some of the listeners who aren't from yeah. whatever area, but, um, well, so then, then give me that. What was it like coming out to New York from, from LA or from California? Um,
1: that, that was really the first time that I lived outside of, um, California. So that was a really big move for me. Um, and really like it was, it was for music. You know, I got an offer to join like a new band out there. Um, and I'm just kind of, I've always been somebody that just puts music first and, you know, just kind of ready to like drop everything and be like, all right, let's do this. Like if if we're doing it, we're doing it 110%. Um, I don't care where it is. Like if I believe in the project, we're going to make it happen. Um, so that happened to be New York. Uh, so, you know, I packed, packed suitcase, packed my guitar, um, you know, luckily like I'm, um, I was able to use my, my dad's flying benefits and like flying standby back and forth to like transport my guitars and my gear. Cause I didn't want to like ship anything. Um, and you know, like that, it really like living in New York just kind of taught me like more of the hustle. You know, for for everything in life, not just not just music, but working and and just really like being completely on your own and and just doing it. So yeah, it was definitely really crazy, and um, I feel like I still have a lot of that, you know, East Coast New York mentality. Um, but now, like after kind of coming back home the last couple years, I feel like um, you know really happy to just be back in California. And just being in this kind of slower pace. Okay. <laughs> and enjoying the weather.
0: That's, well, that's so. interesting that you say slower pace. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> all right.
0: Well, do you mind if I ask? And, you know, obviously this isn't live. We can always edit anything. Um, but I did notice during the research that you were involved in a project called We Start Wars with guitarist Nita Strauss, who people might be familiar with uh, through her work with Alice Cooper.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I think that was. 2017-ish, um, she she ended up, um, I mean, we kind of known each other over the years from, like, going to NAM and, and whatnot, and just kind of stayed in touch, like, loosely, but she, I ran into her in a festival um, on the East Coast somewhere, and we were actually able to, like, catch up, and she just asked me, you know, what have you, like, been doing musically and whatnot, and, you know, I kind of, like, I have this project, you know, that I want you to be a part of, Um, so I was like, yeah, like, you know, let's, let's hear it. And, you know, I'd love to like, see like what you got going on. And she showed it to me and it was like, um, kind of like, uh, you know, fast, like melodic metal. And at first I'm just like, oh, you know, like, I'm not really like this, like crazy shred guitar player. Like you, you know, like I, I do a lot of riffs, like I'm into like death metal and stuff like that. And a lot of like prog, and, you know, and, and she's like, oh yeah, like, I want you to like, kind of bring like your style to the table and like kind of mesh, like, you know, the styles and everything. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, all right, yeah, let's, let's try this. So, um, we actually like rehearsed and wrote some songs for about a year and a half. Um, we played one show at the whiskey and, and then I think we were just looking for producers, um, to like produce the EP that we had going. Um, but I think at at some point there, like she, kind of shifted her focus to uh her solo her solo project. So we kind of just agreed like all right we're going to go our separate ways and um she's like really killing it now like with her with her solo project. So uh, uh, Yeah, it was kind of short-lived.
0: <laughs> okay, no, I just noticed that and I thought that was that was interesting. Um uh-huh. would you say that um Kalias uh that's K A L L I A S for the listeners. Um Calias. Callius, K- I'm sorry. I'm I'm the worst with this. Um Kalias uh Kalias Kalias Kalias. Would you say yes. Kalias is um uh more a fulfillment of your vision like artistically and musically?
1: Yes, absolutely. That that's a project that um I really started uh from the ground up when I met the guys. Um so really like I feel like this pro this is like my first um project as an adult where I feel like this is who I am. You know, this is like the music that I, I'm writing the music that I love and writing it with people um, who have a like-minded vision. So yeah, this is what I've always wanted to be doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, like I said, it's, you guys have a band camp. There's also a YouTube channel and yeah. there's a few like interview, like kind of behind the scenes type of clips. And I learned from that, um, I guess you you originally met. Uh, it's Zachy Ali, your co-guitarist. Yeah. You guys both play yeah. eight-string guitars in the band at the NAMM Nam Music Convention, or it was it was yeah. it was through that. Could you explain to the listeners just what exactly that convention is, and then maybe take us through a little bit of the beginnings of the band?
1: Oh yeah, Nam. Um, it's it's a big music convention that happens um every year um it's really a great way to just connect with uh brands that you love find out about new music brands uh, new products um you connect with a lot of musicians so it's like a great networking opportunity and then of course like if you're um an endorsed artist you go and you like do demos for the brands that endorse you and whatnot so you know it's like it's kind of like a a big kind of networking thing right A convention, and I happened to meet Zachy there. Not on the spot, but because we uh, had—he was just in the area—and I planned to to meet him there. Um, And it was really through uh, JP, our drummer, who's the first person that I um, I connected with. So that's kind of who I how I found Zachy was because I was looking for a drummer to jam with in the New York area. And then I saw that he had these videos with this eight string player on his Instagram. So I was like, oh, my God, like another eight string player in the area. Like I've never been able to like I had been playing eight string for a while then, um, probably like seven years. But I had just never met someone um, to jam with or to write with or that was like available to do another project. So I was just always kind of like the only guitar player for probably like seven years like in a couple different bands that i was in because i just couldn't find another like eight string guitar player so once i found Zachy through jp's profile we met and just started talking about like our goals as musicians and you know like starting this project
0: okay um and it's it's obviously, you know, just for the listeners, it's a lot more, um, uh, it's it's very progressive, it's very metal, but, you know, you talk about eight-string guitars. I'm going to ask a naive question, um, pretend I don't know anything. Why eight-string guitars? Like, what, as a guitarist, do you get out of an eight-string guitar, just for the listeners who might not be as, like, um, musically inclined or play an instrument themselves?
1: Um, it's really just an extended range version of a six string, right? So, you know, a lot of people play seven strings. Um, I did start with a seven string, but to be honest, I bought an eight string like a couple months later and it just kind of made more sense to me than the seven string, Um, especially when you do like kind of a lower octave tuning. um, Like we tune in a drop E So really, you just have like an extended range that you can, you know, you can stack your chords. um, You can like layer things better, you can do these really big jazzy chords. Um, So that's kind of what attracted me to it is like, I felt like it was a new challenge. And I just wasn't feeling so inspired at the time, like with my six string, I'm like, I really want to just do something different. And like, um, go outside of my comfort zone so when I found that I really just kind of like fell in love with the sound of that guitar
0: all right um I, I appreciate the explanation and I understand now do I have it right you're endorsed by Jackson in terms of guitars
1: yes yeah Jackson artist proud Jackson artist
0: yeah <laughs> uh, um well could you talk about that just like because you know we've had a few over the years people come in who are endorsed by a company or something like that um what like what exactly d- does that does that mean they um I mean you obviously you you promote their brand and that sort of thing and you you use their guitars live I mean do you have like like a specific guitar that you endorse by them or
1: Um so I actually uh I built a custom with them. Um you know I remember like when I first uh came on board with Jackson um I was already with with EVH amps beforehand so that's kind of where the connection came from. Um and then when I moved uh, to Jackson, uh, you know, my rep like at, at EVH, who's my same rep at Jackson, was like, well, you know, we don't really like have anything in stock for you as far as eight strings. Like they just kind of have more of like um, an entry level eight string. And, you know, I've been playing for a long time. And, you know, I've also been um, like specking out guitars for for several years before that. And And my rep knew that. So he's like, you know, if you come to Jackson, we're gonna have to make you something custom. And I'm like, I'm all about that because I I love custom guitars. Like I love customizing just everything you can think of on the guitar. Um, so that was like the first thing that um, that we did was we started specking out this uh, this custom eight string. And, um, you know, I picked out like all the woods, the specific scale length, um, you know, the all the electronics, everything. I even, um, I even have custom pickups with DiMarzio as well that are just specified, like, to, like, the woods in the guitar. So, yeah, like, I got that guitar, like, probably, like, a year later. I mean, they sent me another another 8-string um, in the meantime that was, like, a limited edition run. I think there's only, like, 30 made, and um, it's one of the the Misha, the USA Misha models, the HT8. So I was able to get my hands on one of those until like my custom was being built, um, and that's like still like amazing guitar. I still use it um, for like half the Collier set, but yeah, now like I have this like completely custom um, eight string that I designed, and they like brought to life for me, and it's it's just been a dream.
0: <laughs> so you got to kind of like Frankenstein your own guitar, like whatever you whatever you wanted to put in it. <laughs>
1: I mean, I wouldn't say Frankenstein, because that makes me think of, like, taking different parts of guitars. Oh, okay, okay, yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe that's the wrong, like, wish list kind of make your own But, yeah, just
1: AI. building out, like, everything that I would want, you know? So, um, like, I'm a really big fan of, like, one-piece um, bodies. So um, my guitar has, like, a one-piece um, cooked ash body. Um, it has a recessed um, uh, pit guard so it's kind of like aesthetic looking, but it's completely like recessed. Um, I got a pale moon ebony uh, fingerboard. So it's like super exotic wood on the fingerboard. And um, I did like this uh, custom um, scale length. So I did a 25 to 26 inch uh, semi fan for for my scale and everything. So Wow.
0: Okay. that's a, a, yeah. I'm going to be honest. A little bit of that is, is over my head. But I always like to get all that in because a lot of our listeners are, are musicians themselves so that's great I love getting the yes, technical information nerdy. in
1: yeah super nerdy guitar stuff <laughs> no no,
0: it's, it's stuff I you know I, I could aspire to my you know myself maybe one day um to understand but mm-hmm. um with that being said now you you mentioned evh amps uh like while we're on the topic I don't know if you want to expound on any other gear you use I don't know if there's any specific pedals or anything like that or if, yeah, or if so- that's all a secret too I don't know is what? Or if it's all a secret too? Uh, some some guitarists oh, okay. are picky about sharing their pedal boards, you know, secrets.
1: Yeah, as far as as far as gear um, that I use live, like I'm happy to to share that with everyone. Um, so obviously playing um, exclusively jacks and guitars, um, I'm running for my effects. I'm actually using a Neural DSP Quad Cortex, um, and I'm running that through my EVH 5153 Stealth amp. So pretty simple. Um, I think the only other like pedal that I use uh, is uh, Morley uh, Boost Wah because I like to use that for some of my my solos live, and that's really just kind of like a live thing. Um, but yeah, all my tones like I make custom on uh, the Neural DSP Quad Cortex, um, which that you can also like you can access like people's tones through the Cortex Cloud. Um. So anybody that's, like, familiar with Neural DSP, like, a lot of people have their plugins and whatnot. Um, but for the actual hardware, um, there's, like, a cloud where, like, people can share their presets and whatnot. And I haven't done that yet, but I probably will at some point.
0: <laughs> that's interesting. Like I said, I'm not a guitarist, but um, I never even realized that you could do something like that. That's amazing. That's cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you can also actually capture um amps with the quad cortex so it acts as like a, a profiler very similar to the Kemper but i think it captures better than the Kemper
0: <laughs> wow all right that's that's interesting okay that see that that's that to me is like um uh very futuristic i guess i guess we could say i'm kind of old fashioned, but um
1: we're in the
0: future. <laughs> I know it's scary. It's scary. Like I told, like I told you behind the scenes, you're a little bit more on your social media game and all that sort of stuff than I am. We're still trying to get there. Um, but while we're on the topic of gear, um, you know, we talked about the eight string guitar. Uh, what? How many strings does your bass player use on his bass? Six. Okay, and that would be uh, Chris Marone. Yes. Chris Marone. Okay, I just want to credit them. Um, all right, so six, six strings on the bass. I'm just trying to do the math. And uh, Zachy he plays an eight string guitar as well. You mentioned that this is the first time you've been able to work with another guitarist in the, in a band in a while. It must feel good to play those solos live with somebody backing you up.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's taking the majority of the solos, but I do have a handful um, Mm -hmm. in all the songs. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm singing, like he's, he's doing even more of that work, which is nice. (laughs) because um, now I'm like on double duty. Um, but he's he's awesome, really awesome lead player, um, really great writer as well and uh, he he engineered the um, the first EP and the first couple singles. So yeah, he's definitely been um, very like integral member in the band.
0: Yeah, um, and th- that was about, just for the listeners to catch up um, you talked about 2020's the fourth phase EP. that was the first release. Um, and you guys have put out a yeah. few singles along the way, massive in 2021 and disembodied existence this year, just recently. Right. Yep. So, um, you were telling me before metal injection, which everybody, if you know about heavy hole podcast then you definitely know about metal injection, like let's be real, uh, metal injection is, um, I guess they're promoting, they're, they're dropping. They got an exclusive drop on your next single. Did I get that right?
1: Yes, they will be premiering um, the single and music video, actually, that's coming out Friday, June 17th. So, yeah, very soon.
0: Yeah, and we're going to try, hopefully that's today, if you're listening to this the day the episode drops, we're going to try to get it out. Um, the day of, or maybe, maybe a little bit later, we'll figure it out to where it works best um, for the band. But um, talking about this new single, obviously we don't want to spoil any secrets or anything on Metal Injection, but is there anything you can tell us about it or just about the, um, what you guys have been working on lately?
1: Um, so the new single, I feel like this is probably our most aggressive song Um which makes me really excited for it because, you know, I, I love heavy music. I love death metal and I feel like this single like has the most of all of that, like out of everything that we've put out so far. Um, so yeah, for like everyone out there that's, you know, into heavy music, which you probably are cause you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, this is definitely like our, I think our most aggressive song to this date. Um, and you know, there's still like elements of, um, some melody in there too, since we added, um, you know, the different styles of vocals. Like I'm doing the extreme vocals and then our bassist Chris um, is doing kind of like the gritty, like singing on, on the choruses and whatnot. So.
0: Yeah. I, I noticed yeah, that. Very excited. Um, well then I, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. Then have you been doing vocals as long as you've been playing guitar?
1: No, I just learned how to do vocals probably like a year and a half ago. So this is like a very very new venture for me.
0: <laughs> well yeah, I mean it's like eight, it's like six strings isn't enough. You got to take it to eight. Now we're going to do vocals on top of it. So on
1: top of playing pro- prog riffs, I know, yeah. like I'm just off
0: in the foot <laughs> glutton for punishment but but well let's talk about that because we we do talk about vocals a lot um on the on the podcast and vocal techniques and so on and so forth was there any um did you have any anybody kind of uh guide you along uh, in terms of technique with with extreme vocals um and you know along the way were there any kind of like uh, um you know may, maybe you lost your voice here or there or you, you know you learned how you learned a, a little bit of a different technique to use something like that
1: so I, I was very lucky, um, when we made this, this decision to add vocals and I kind of just, you know, volunteered and I'm like, well, you know, rather than like wait around or try to like add someone else to the band, like, I'm sure I could just figure it out. <laughs> um, and it wasn't as easy as I thought. Um, but I know, um, you know, Rafal from Deca- Decapitated and I know that he gives uh, vocal lessons, so, or screaming lessons, so, you know, rather than, like, trying this thing on my own and, like, blowing out my voice and everything, I'm like, I want to do this right, you know, the correct technique, so let me just hit him up and see if, like, he has time to, like, give me a few pointers before I have to, like, go in the studio and actually record. Um, so I hit him up, and I'm like, hey, like, I I need to learn how to scream in, like, two months. <laughs> I'm like, can you help me? And he's like, yeah, like, don't re- don't worry, Nicole, we're going to get you ready to record this <laughs> song. <laughs> So I'm like, thank God, you know, so, um, you know, we, he made time to meet with me like once a week, um, for like a month and a half, two months. And he just taught me all the proper, uh, like like up techniques and like really like how to tap into like my, um, my false cords and my fry and like combine them. And then he was also teaching me, um, just how to, uh, build my lung capacity, which is something that I kind of uh, had problems with in the beginning. Like I, you know, I was able to get like the sound that I wanted out of my voice, but I wasn't really like, I was, I was getting out of breath. Like I wasn't able to like finish these sentences. And like, when I was tracking like pre-production, I'm like, I'm having to do this like line by line because I I can't find the breath to like do this whole verse. Right. So he just taught me like these, these kind of breathing exercises to like build my lung capacity, and then like intake air really quickly, um, and able to just like uh, you know complete the next line without having to like pause or like get lightheaded and and whatnot.
0: Okay, that's that's really interesting. I didn't think we were going there because we're big fans of decapitated. Uh, we bring yeah, them up a too. lot on the podcast. Yeah, that, that's that's cool. All right, so um, uh, some vocal lessons from, from from now. That's that's always been. You know, I, I've been in a, a couple of death metal bands over the years and the, the breath control thing, like what you're talking about where you run out of breath at the end of a sentence, that's admittedly like one of my weak points. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting. You bring, you bring that up. Like what it like, is it like, like cardio or are you do, doing more like breathe, like like breathing exercises to try to expand the capacity of your lungs?
1: Yeah. Like I, one of them, like he was telling me to, um, you know, kind of lay down and put like a book on your stomach Um, and then you like fill up your lungs and then like, you kind of let air out, um, very slowly, kind of like you're deflating a mattress or something. Um, and you just do that exercise so that you can control like how much air is coming out rather than just like letting it all out at once. And then you have to like gasp to like finish the sentence. So, um, that was how I kind of, it helped me, um, you know, build my lung capacity like that.
0: All right, my, my mind is blown over here. I love it. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we love all that behind the scenes death metal stuff. Um, yeah, that, that's cool. All right, so and I I do want to mention. Um, we were talking before about your upcoming tour. Um, you're going to be here on the East Coast. Uh, if I got this right, um, the 24th of June at the Rusty Nail. Um, in yeah. Philly. Uh, the 27th, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. JB Love Drafts. I like the name. Yeah. Uh, the 28th mm-hmm. uh you're going to be in good old Brooklyn, New York at Lucky 13 and mm-hmm. the 30th in Clifton, New Jersey at Dingbats. Uh, did I get all that right?
1: Yes, that's that's all right. Up to date.
0: All right, good um great. And uh we encourage the listeners to go check that out wherever they are if they're in the area. Um that's kind of like in, in our in our neighborhood, our neck of the woods over here. Um and I I just wanted to promote that cuz I got a, I got kind of like a, a um maybe off topic off music question. I noticed in your social media you do rock climbing. I do,
1: yeah. That's my other. Um, well, I guess my hobby, my main hobby.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like. I mean, uh, um, I I always think of David Lee Roth in the jump video. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's like a a, a rock climbing um, uh, a stereotype or something.
1: No, I don't think I've seen it. So. <laughs> all right,
0: all right, all right. I was, I'm, all right it's, it's all good. I'm showing my age. I just turned forty. Um, but. <laughs> just like quickly like like as as much as you'd like to share how'd you get into that and and like how long ago
1: um I actually started when I first moved to New York oh. um so maybe like t- 11 12 years ago now it's been it's been a while but I actually um I started climbing in a gym like on the Upper East Side and then uh I met somebody there that was like oh like do you want to like go to the gunks or whatever and I'm like what's the gunks? (laughs) And they're like, Oh, it's, it's the cat skills. You know, it's kind of like upstate New York. So I'm like, okay, like, yeah, climbing like outside on real rock. Like, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, we went out climbing and they kind of like showed me like, you know, showed me the ropes. And, um, I think that same year, like I linked up with like another person that I met at the gym that, um, you know, was ice climbing. And I'm like, Oh, like, like, okay, I rock climbed. Like I want to try ice climbing now. (laughs) So I started ice climbing that same that same year and just haven't stopped since. Like I've pretty much like traveled like around the world and and climbed in so many different countries. and um, yeah, winter, uh, definitely my favorite sport. And I'm glad you actually brought this up because this single that is is releasing called The Dark Machine is actually about ice climbing. And the Alpine. Really? So, yeah. So it's like you know the first song that like I really wrote about climbing and just kind of like pushing yourself um, physically and mentally, like in the Alpine environment. Um, and the name of the song, "The Dark Machine," is actually a direct reference to the name of my uh, climbing tools, which are the Dark Machines. Um, So I so I named the song The The Dark Machine. You know, it can be interpreted like in different ways, of course, but I actually make a lot of like direct references in in that song. Um, I know there's there's a line where um, I talk about like the winter dance and uh, winter dance is actually the name of a climbing guidebook out in uh Wyoming. <laughs> All right. So okay. yeah, there's a lot of little like climbing references in there. And um yeah, it's pretty it's pretty
0: cool. <laughs> I well, I like that. That's cool. You get a little glimpse into um there's there's a little there's a little extra meaning there. I uh Believe it or not, um, I, I put in, like, gardening references into my band's lyrics sometimes, like, because like I grow vegetables and stuff, you know? It's like, yeah, it's, you got to put a little bit of yourself in there.
1: That's metal.
0: Um, Yeah, no, yeah. but the, you, you got me beat. Rock climbing is a little more metal, okay? Um, I just wanted to get, well, just, like, I'm not going to harp on the rock climbing thing, but um, you picked my interest with that. Is it, like, h- how dangerous would you say it is? And I guess that's maybe, like, there's more dangerous levels to it, or...
1: There are, yeah. I mean, it it can be a very controlled environment, um, unless you are in a winter environment, so to say, um, which it, you cannot, you know, have control over, like avalanches that might happen. But you know, you do you kind of do your research ahead of time and um, you learn how to like read the conditions of uh, the ice. Um, and then you, you know, you read the conditions of the rock as well. Mm. So, you know, the more you do it, like you learn how to use the equipment, you learn how to do everything like, um, in the safest way possible, you have to be super redundant, you know, like with your knots, um, and making sure like your gear isn't getting worn out or whatever. And then so much goes into it as far as just like decision-making, you know, like if you're doing a big route and you're like, you're only halfway up and it's like five (laughs) o'clock, you know, you got to make that decision. Like, do I need to bail right now? Or, you know, am I going to be stubborn and keep going because I want to finish it? And then like, I'm going to end up in a situation where I'm repelling in the dark, which is like really unsafe. So, you know, there's just, there's so many factors. And like, I know, I hate to say like the way you learn the best is through trial and error. Um, and actually through like experiencing some of these situations firsthand or hearing about it or reading about it. Um, I know there's a lot of podcasts now that kind of, um, highlight accidents in climbing. So, you know, like I've listened to stuff like that as well, just to kind of like get an idea of like, you know, why people screwed up or why somebody got injured, what went wrong, what kind of like equipment failure happened, um, you know, there's
0: just oh, I could go on forever. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's serious stuff. It's you know, like um, uh, people who go like deep sea diving or anything. Like you know, be, say being redundant and all your safety routines and stuff like that. People don't realize it's not yeah. just it's not not just not just mm-hmm. going for a hike, uh, at, at at that level. Wow. All right. And you know, you you to- you mentioned your new single, the Dark Machine. Metal Injection is going to be premiering that uh, Friday, June seventeenth um conveniently in time for your tour that we just mentioned we'll bring up those dates again before we wrap up um but uh you know we always ask the guests before we wrap up to recommend a little bit of music that they like personally um i just thought before we got into that segment wrapped it up you guys have like a very kind of like progressive death metal influence sound it's like it's it's a little bit of, of a few different things going on there i just thought maybe um If you, if you could, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this, maybe just recommend or, or talk about a few bands that have really, uh, or maybe here's one that, that the members of your band all kind of have in common, like a band, a band that you could put on in the tour van and everybody's going to be okay with, you know, like what's the common ground in terms of listening material between you and your bandmates?
1: Uh, definitely Opeth. (laughs) There you go. Okay. There's a lot of, a lot of Opeth. Um, we can all agree on that. Um, we can all agree on Meshuggah, you know, decapitated, you know, those are kind of like three staple bands that like, I'm like, oh, if we could just fuse all those together, that's like really like our, our influences for people that kind of don't know what what we sound like. Um, but you know, like we're like a lot of us just love like other types of like prog music too. Um, you know, like Eshawn is a really good example as well. Um, we all love Ishan of Emperor his solo stuff um and he's an eight string player as well hmm. um you know we're like Petrucci fans I know Zachy's like a really big Petrucci fan um and he has that eight that new eight string too right now so
0: that's uh, John yeah, John Petrucci definitely. of uh, Dream Theater fame you're talking yeah, about oh, yeah yeah oh, like,
1: okay Zachy's really big um like Dream Theater and like Symphony X um fan so
0: Okay, I didn't want to bring up. I, I try not to do like comparisons and like bringing big yeah. bands names in, but you know there is there is a vibe. You know you you know there's a there's like definitely like because the word prog – and I, I won't harp on this, but the word prog gets thrown around a lot nowadays. You know what I mean? And like so, I just felt like um, it was properly applied with you guys. That's all I'm saying. I, I, oh, thank you. I, yeah, it's that. Yeah, that's and what, then yeah. it's like me.
1: And, yeah, me and JP are like. I feel like the you know, the ones that are super into death metal. (laughs) So like all the little kind of like, um like death metal influences you'll hear in our stuff. Like, I feel like that's a lot of it is coming from, from me and JP. That's kind of like where him and I click.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the, the, the the drummers always love death metal, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's it's where they get to shine and show off a little bit. Um, Yeah. He's, with <laughs> so with these singles dropping is it all part of an eventual album or another ep coming out or is that for the for time to tell
1: it is part of an album actually yeah so this is really like the third single that we're putting out that's part of this album but we just don't have like an album release date yet so that is pending
0: okay good. We're,
1: we're playing the singles game right now <laughs>
0: Uh, Nicole Papastavrou, um, guitarist and vocalist of Kalius, we thank you so much for your time. And I'm going to uh, finish off with the, the question I always finish off with. Could you please recommend to us um, one older release and one newer release by any artist you like, metal or otherwise, a demo, an album, just something old and something new relatively uh, to recommend to us?
1: Hmm. I will... I'm going to go like super death model in tech with this one. So Love it. an all time like classic for me, like an older release is going to be Necrophagist Epitaph. Nice. Nice. I, um, as far as a newer release, how new are we talking?
0: There, there's no hard fast rule. It's, you know, that <laughs> la- last few years, I guess, you know.
1: Um, I, I'll go with like the new Meshuggah album then definitely the new Meshuggah album. So that one, like, I don't know, it's just, I got so excited for that, for that release. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are, and they're always like a big influence for us, especially like we're eight string players, you know? Yeah. So definitely, uh, check out, you know, immutable Meshuggah. And then if you're into, like, super techie stuff, which you probably already know, that Necrophagist album.
0: <laughs> yeah, of, of course. That Necrophagist album comes up every once in a while here, too. Um, we'd love to maybe get Muhammad or, or one of those guys in to talk about it one day. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll even put out that second album. That's like a meme uh, nowadays that they might put, up, put out another album one day. But – um uh, we're going to keep mm-hmm. our eye out for your album uh, that you're working on, um, an- another single of which coming out, The Dark Machine is the single Metal Injections, putting out on Friday by Collius. Um, and we thank you, Nicole, for your time and for bearing with me with my Long Island tongue here pronouncing all that stuff. Uh, thank you very much. And real quickly, I mentioned before, um, you guys have a YouTube channel. Uh, you're on all the usual so- usual social medias. I know you, um, you're you active on Twitch. Did you want to promote that real quickly?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so the band is, you know, on on all outlets as well, um, YouTube, Instagram, um, Facebook, and then as far as myself, like, I'm actually regularly streaming on Twitch every week, um, and my Twitch name is just my full name, Nicole Papastavri. Um and for those of you that uh, don't live on the East Coast or maybe can't make any of the tour dates, uh, good news, I will be streaming all of those shows on my Twitch Channel, and I'm also going to have some digital openers as well. So, Mm. definitely be on the lookout for um, another flyer coming very soon that's going to announce who's going to be digitally opening for Collius and uh, raiding into my channel during our set.
0: Wow, I like that concept. Again, you're kind of blowing my mind. It's a little futuristic. So, you got like a digital show going on while you have a real show going on. You got two different angles there i like yes. that that's cool that's cool um so,
1: maximize the audience and accessibility
0: that's what you gotta <laughs> do nowadays that's great um so uh we're going to keep our eyes on um Kallius, uh and we're going to keep our eyes on uh, nicole papastava with everything you're working on we appreciate your time and sharing your story with us on the heavy hole podcast thank you very much yes
1: thank you so much for having me well thank you All right,
0: Thank you very much to Nicole Papastravu from Calias. We really appreciate her time and joining us, telling us a little bit about her history and the history of the band. Um, And I apologize for the multitude of times I mispronounced that band's name. That's my Long Island tongue to blame. She was a trooper with that. Um, Joining me now, someone who's also a trooper uh, all the time with the Heavy Hole podcast, our co-host Dave, newest member of the team. How you doing there, Dave Gladding? I'm doing great, Will. How are you doing? Great, man. Um, feeling okay. Uh, um, the, the, I mispronounced the, 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 the guest band a little bit, but they were cool about it, so we're, we're moving forward, man. Um, but I had to call you in now for more support now, and I'm hoping that you could recommend me a couple of bands whose names I can pronounce. Um, we'll, we'll start small with that, man. So you did, all, all kidding aside now, um, shout out to Nicole, but we're going to move into our recommendations um, sequence of the show. And you did... Send me two recommendations that I took some notes on. I'm gonna let you take it away from here for the first one, Dave. All
2: right. I I'm gonna start with um the older release, which is Supremia, Existence of Torture. It's a nineteen ninety-four demo from a band. They're from Westville, New Jersey, uh, which is very South New Jersey. It's like it's basically in Philadelphia. Hmm. And uh they're great a great band. I um I found out about them. You know, interestingly enough, from a compilation tape that I got from the singer of Insanity way back in the '90s. When it, when that would have been Mark, the infamous Mark yeah. Rokar. Wow, Mark, okay. uh, Mark Rokar. I think okay. his name is pronounced. Yeah, but uh, he he had a little. He put out a, a compilation tape with a bunch of bands, which are like South South Jersey, like Philadelphia area bands, and uh, Supremia was one of the bands on it, and I was really impressed with their sound so i you know the the compilation had all the uh the band's mailing addresses in it which you had to do back then so i i got this demo and you know i I still like to this day i still listen to it it's great stuff it's um sort of like it's like mid-paced groovy death metal there's not a lot of blast beats it's sort of like around that time when like blast beats were still sort of coming around so like most drummers didn't do it but uh, it's not slammy at all, but it's like, it's really good. It's heavy. They have a good thick sound. Um, the vocalist Lou is, he really, I don't know what was going on with this demo, but he like, he really like, cause he's the only singer on it, but it, he had a lot of different voicings, like a lot of different styles he was doing. And it really, it sounded almost like he, there was like two or three vocalists on the recording because of like, you know, how i guess how many different styles and how rapidly it was changing them but it's uh it's just one person and it's really really good stuff i really i really enjoyed it uh what do you think
0: yeah um it's interesting because i've always had this band lumped in in my head with uh bands that came a little bit later like you're you're more um uh like like not like 90 late 90s kind of like the texas bands like your um who was it was it century uh, yeah. and devourment and the kind of like that but I, but yeah Supreme actually predating most of those bands um i didn't realize that they went as far back as 94 when you sent me this link you know i kind of this this wasn't a band i've always been that that up on just kind of like always been like peripherally in in the in, in the local history of death metal
2: um yeah they did um they did reform in the uh in the aughts in the, the in the 2000s and they put out um I think an EP and a full length since then. But yeah, they, they were around, I think the first demo was in 92. And then they put out this one existence of torture in 94. And uh, yeah, they're just a really like, a, it's a, one of those bands is like, unfortunate that they kind of broke up and they didn't stick with it because they're really like, you know, we're a good band, good songwriting.
0: Yes. Songwriting is one of the things that I wrote down actually, because um the thing that struck me the most about this that 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 kind of like started me off with the notes was how it's like kind of very straightforward chunky death metal um maybe a little bit more brutal than you got in ninety three um typically like there was it was still very thrashy death metal with that kind of like death pestilence autopsy even kind of influence but yeah, definitely the, the yeah the guitar tones and the the kind of like very bass heavy Wallace sound quality to the guitar. And um, the kind of like like raw grindcore and brutal death metal sound that they were giving off was like probably a, th- a little bit ahead of its time for 1994, I think. Um, and the, the cynical side of me says this is what a lot of younger old OSDM quote unquote bands are trying to synthesize. Um, so The energy of early death thrash with the chunky heaviness of 90s brutal death metal. But these guys were like the real deal, like real life version of it, backed up with the composition and songwriting. Um, So it's like the, it was what's really cool about this is it's kind of like rate right smack in between, like what you might call maybe like the suffocation, brutal death metal era and the early death and early pestilence death, death thrash era. And it doesn't lose out in terms of composition or songwriting or any of those little nuanced things that people might associate more with technical thrash than with the, the chunky brutal death metal. So it's it's really cool shit, man. Um, I and I mentioned suffocation. I don't think like I actually wrote for fans of exhumed, flesh grind, and like the first two broken hope albums because it's got that very chunky but catchy still a little bit of thrash metal and classic metal influence in there but like brutal death metal thing going on. It really and I forgot they were from Jersey. Admittedly, my apologies to Jersey.
2: The the, uh, the flesh grind comparison is actually really a really good one. I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. It's it's very especially the fir- like the earlier flesh grind where there wasn't like blast beats and stuff. It's really good. Like you can tell that they they listen to a lot of like European European like like heavy death metal from like the early 90s you know like grave or like whatever stuff like that but like they yeah it's not it's not like the American style of it's not Floridian or um like slammy the way New York bands were and everything like that like they they, they they knew their they knew what they were doing they had a good sound you know they but yeah good uh good album I think more people need to uh to check it out a hundred percent,
0: man, and um, like yeah, like you said, it's it's not maybe what you would expect from a band from South Jersey in the early '90s. It's got a different vibe than like your Mortal Decay or you know like your your, your East Coast type of bands, and it's there's still some of that chunkiness in there. But I hear what you're saying about the European bands. There's that kind of like more subtle attention to the songwriting. Um, and like I said, that there's like a, there's a heavy like skank beat thrash metal thing that's also kind of running, running in the undercurrent of this like really brutal guttural like, beast here, man. The, vo- yeah, the vocals are great. It, it's it's something that I think when you listen to it nowadays, you got to keep in mind it's from '94 because that makes it very special and a, slightly ahead of its time, I would say.
2: You know? Yeah, it's got it, it like also another another earmark that it's from the early '90s is it's got a lot of like those sort of semi uh unnecessary guitar solos <laughs> just yeah. kind of e- everywhere in the songs which is like it's like it's i hate guitar solos but it, it, i also sort of understand the the like the the time period and everything like that where i'm kind of like oh this is cute it's it's like <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a a victim of its uh of its time an example of you know what was going on then, like where that was like a, a very necessary part of songwriting was like thrown in the guitar solos. All right, well, I
0: I'm a little more forgiving of the guitar solos. I like a nice melodic guitar solo that adds to the atmosphere. Myself, you know, so you know, we don't have to be. Not every album has to be Joe Satriani.
2: Yeah, I'm not like not, I'm not trying to bash guitar solos. It's just like like one of those things where I'm like, eh, it's got to be a really good solo for me to appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I I I hear you, man. Yeah, and it's so like that's what I mean. It's got this kind of like. You know, classical death metal um, chops, but leaning into the brutal 90s. You know, looking forward to the to the ignorance that was going to happen, I guess. Um, yeah, definitely. Really cool bass. Supremia from New Jersey. Existence of Torture Demo 94 is what we were talking about. But like you said, Dave, they have other releases, and they've kind of been on and off uh, throughout the years. I'm pretty sure Buckshot Facelift played with them years ago. At
2: Gussie's Tavern in Queens, I don't know if you're familiar with that spot. I am not, but I'm kind of jealous that you uh, you got to to see them and play with them because I, I definitely that's like a a band I would definitely like to see live at some point. Yeah, it's going back a,
0: a while, but yeah, a good good band nonetheless. Highly recommended to the listeners. Um, maybe some somebody we should talk to from that band, uh, but. Yeah, I yeah. Now I got you, uh, Dave. You, you recommended me something a little bit more current, too. You gave me your, your, your classic heavy, hole, old and new recommendation, man. Let's get into the newer one. All right? Can you
2: uh, can you remind me which of the newer ones you you uh?
0: Oh, that's right. You gave you gave me three, and I only listened to. Two. Let's be transparent with the listeners right now. You gave me three options, and the the, the third one we'll bring up another time. But yeah, um, unhinge is the band.
2: Uh, also from you. You gave me not only an old and a new, but they're both from New Jersey. Yeah, dude. New Jersey has got a great scene, man. Um, a lot of a lot of good bands, a lot of variety. But this band, whereas Supremia, Supremia was from South Jersey, Unhinge is. I am assuming they're from North Jersey because they're just they they happen to play a lot. They play a lot at the Meat Locker and like various places on like the northern end of the state. So I am assuming that's where they're from. They, I don't have a lot of information about them, but uh, yeah, their their EP, Abyss of Hate, is uh. It's it's from last year it's from 2021. It actually just got released on cassette they they compiled it with their previous uh, EP which is called um, moral anxiety so you can get on one cassette it's uh six songs compiling two different uh, two different releases from them but uh it, it's they're like a solid, like really heavy grind band which is my, my favorite silo grind um kind of sludgy but they're uh the recording is is like it's a good dirty recording like you can hear all the instruments you can always hear the bass which is like one of the things that i always look for being a, a bass owner myself but um you can call yourself a bass player no no i like a base that, owner. Just, <laughs> I'm a bass
0: like, like, owner, but I don't know how to play it. <laughs> I well,
2: I always kind of say because like I, I say it like that because I feel like I I play so sporadically that like to call myself a bass player is like almost an insult to people that play on a regular basis. So I just call myself a a bass owner, and I I okay. I, I I play it when I'm when I'm in need. When someone's like, "Hey, dude, can you uh you know occupy that 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 space?" <laughs> no but uh okay fair enough fair enough yeah it's 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 just a little thing for my to keep myself uh humble yeah humble (laughs) keep my keep my sense of humor going but uh yeah they got well what did you think of it
0: i was impressed by the band first of all um that i you know my notes here the first thing i wrote is they make it sound easy um, tight, yeah. but not forced. The production is very warm and evenly ba- uh, balanced. The blast beats are without any like waning or retreating. You know, sometimes you hear those blast beats and you could tell towards like, like the, you know, this the eighth or the 16th hit of the measure, the guy's kind of, he's forcing it a little bit, you know, the wrist is, wrist to season the old wrist is season up. Like this yeah. was just, these guys sounded like a well-oiled machine of a band. Um to the point where if I heard this recording and went to go see them live, they would they would have to live up to that because this just sounds like an effortless performance um, by, like, really talented seasoned musicians who know Grindcore. Um, and that kind of, like, I I honed in on how tight it all sounded and fluid it all sounded, and I got to give props to Neil Cote, uh, who I, I, hope, I hope I got the name right, was actually the sound engineer responsible for... I guess the first two songs on this Unhinged release you sent me. Um, and I just thought everything sounded so, so great. Like, you, you know, like for for a grindcore band, like I'm, you know, I, I know different styles of production when I hear them in certain producers, but like something really jumped out at me about this, the soundscape of this band. Um, so I had to look up that guy, Neil Code, who is credited with, with recording it uh, based out of Groundwork Studios in New Jersey. Um, but just the, the guitar tone, that sits like a thick cloud uh, over the drums, um, in a, in a good way. I mean, all these things I'm saying could be kind of like good or poor, bad, I guess, depending how you interpret them. But just a really good grindcore recording um, that anyone who's anyone who's into like you know your your more traditional fast brutal grindcore with a little bit of like American hardcore influence could probably wrap their head around and sink their teeth into, but it's not it doesn't have that like overly tight overly polished kind of relapse grind sound and um i would even recommend this to people who are just want to hear like a, a well produced and almost like uniquely produced extreme music recording or recording like just just someone who's a sound engineer or who who's into mixing and recording bands, I think, would get a kick out of listening to uh, these first
2: two songs on the Unhinged GP. And that yeah, kind of...
0: Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: I'm sorry. I, I was going to say that I actually was kind of wondering... I-, I-, I made a jump to this conclusion, but I was wondering if it was just recorded live, like maybe they were just all playing in a room. Hmm. And that's why it sounds so, like, tight, but, like, natural not like they were like playing to a click track or anything like that, but it just sounds like like a, a three people playing in a room together. Yeah,
0: it does sound incredibly tight, but tight, but natural is like the succinct version of what I was trying to get at mm-hmm. there because it's, yeah, it sounds like brilliantly pulled off, um, but it doesn't sound like quantized and fixed in post,
2: you know. Yeah, it no, does, no, yeah. uh, no. Uh, what's the word of uh click track or anything like that what's the, uh, a yeah. metronome or anything anything of that sort
0: Yeah real organic but tight man um r- r- real cool shit and and um like I was saying I kind of like you know it not every day a recording kind of hits me like this where I want to know who mixed this and who recorded this but something about um uh, those unhinged tracks recorded by Neil Cote from uh, Groundwork Studio in New Jersey. I had to look him up and see what he's been what he's been getting into. I found this band, Troll Teeth. Um, kind of a more what you might what people might label desert rock, stoner rock. You know, kind of a psychedelic, uh, that type of what people might call doom rock uh, type of vibe. But really, another thing that's like a treat for the ears is the new Troll Teeth album. I think it was Boiled Alive recorded at a groundwork studio in new jersey just like these two first songs on this unhinged ep that you recommended so that's just something to keep out uh an eye out for like audiophiles and sound engineers not even just fans of grindcore but yeah this unhinge uh abyss of shit ep um uh from 2020 another really cool recommendation and band but i i had to go down the wormhole on the wormhole on the sound engineer there
2: yeah i i'm, re- I'm- they're also very active live which i think probably also adds to the oh yeah the live, the 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 studio performance like i i follow them on 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 uh, instagram on social media and they're playing shows all the time like they, they they definitely play like two or three shows a month it seems like so i'm sure they also practice you know like re- rehearse like x amount of times a week so i'm sure that probably also adds to a, to their uh chemistry i'm sure yeah like a well-oiled machine that that's that's a a big part of it too i'm sure man yeah i think they actually just played with uh that band weeping that you recently recommended oh wait a minute the meat locker like monday uh, i think yeah i think i think so it was yeah it was like (laughs) yes
0: yeah, shout I to Terrell right. from um from Buckshot facelift and Reeking Aura and Thetis. Um uh, big shout to Terrell. He yeah, he was showing me pictures of that show. He was at, he was there, man. That's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. He said um it was a Monday night at the Me Locker and it was like a, it was still like a pretty packed place up until like midnight, man. That's
2: cool. I really I'd love to get to that place at some point. It seems like a really good uh, spot to see shows. It's just a little like a little out of the way for me. but they have tons of good shows there
0: yeah I've been fortunate to perform there a few times over the year man really cool spot I mean it really fits the whole DIY kind of like punk aesthetic you know I, I love the DIY type of show and that place is it So just to ra- wrap up then, Dave, I appreciate the two things you brought in there. Supremia, both from New Jersey, actually, man. So shout out to our, our Jersey people. Supremia, Existence of Torture, Demo 94. Of course, they got other stuff after that you can get into. And this newer Unhinge, Abyss of Shit EP uh, from 2021. We're going to keep our eyes out for Unhinge. Um, and, and I, you know, to be, be be perfectly honest, I'm going to keep my eyes out for Neil Cote and see what else comes out of that Groundwork Studio in New Jersey. Um, I thought I thought he did a good job producing that and whoever else happened to work on that. Um,
2: Dave, anything any other shows? You've been to any shows lately, man? No, I have not been to any shows lately, but I, I have been eyeing there is a show come or a, a series of shows kind of from Long Island, and I'm it's uh it's uh, our friends in uh Syrup Head.
0: Oh yeah, John, yeah, John from Syrup yeah. Are you talking are you talking about it's the barely breathing
2: Fest that he's yeah, curating? I, I've noticed. Uh, I, I've been seeing the uh, the flyers for it, like Maggot after afterbirth. Yeah, I they're playing at Mr. Beery's and in in, in Beth Page and a, a slew of other bands. It's like a multi day show, I think. Which is absolutely insane. that You have like these gore grind
0: bands coming to Long Island to play Mr. Beery's. I love it. Though. I love that Mr. Beery's is kind of like the new gore
2: grind home of um, uh, uh, Long Island. You know, I, I used to live right behind that place. Like. 10 years ago i lived there for like a year or so like in beth page like maybe a 15 minute walk from from that place it was like like it was like my local bar for like the year that i was there wow and there was like a couple of shows happened there but like not nothing of this caliber and i'm like really kind of <laughs> like regretting i guess moving that not that i would have like wanted to stay in beth page for like 10 or 15 years to wait to wait for grindcore shows to uh to start happening there but like God damn the place! I mean, the place is an awesome bar. Just, but, gonna uh, just, just make your life in Bethpage yeah. waiting for the grindcore to come to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah Bethpage is not that interesting of a town that I wanted to stay there that long, but you know, it, it's it's a it's a good bar. You know, bartenders are always awesome there. Lots of parking. That's all I can say. You know, it's a, it's a it, it should be a cool show. End of end of July. See, it's what is it the the Friday Saturday Sunday of I'm, um, end of July, or is it just? Um, I don't. I, I don't have the dates right in front of me, but I know it's definitely like the the thirtieth. Yeah, I I
0: got it right here. Um, I'm I'm looking it up at uh uh Seer, <laughs> excuse me, Seerped Recordings, um, on IG and and on um social media right here. What's the date here? Um, July the thirtieth, two thousand twenty two. Uh, mental abortion, moisturizer, sulfuric quartery, If I said that right, sulfuric quartery. Um, all part of the barely breathing fest. Um, and you also have. Let's see, I'm looking at the other band. Maggot vomit afterbirth has been announced. Um, uh, holy okay. grinder. Uh, and there's a, there's a few other band. There's a band kind of close to the heart of the show. But I don't want to spoil any announcements. So just people got to keep their eyes peeled on that. That might be something you, you might even want to come in from out of state on um, is this big gore grind and noise core festival going on in Long Island, the Barely Breathing
2: Fest. I just want to point out that I, I misspoke uh, saying that it was more than one day because I think they're they're announcing bands in like batches. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, see what you did. I, I misunderstood that at first as each batch of bands was its own show like they were going to do like a like a multi like like a, a multi-day fest thing but it seems like it's it's all as far as i can see it's all one day like uh, july 30th
0: yeah so it's, it's only going to be that day but it is going to be like fest uh quality and size it's going to be a lot a of, bands. of bands playing yeah and most of them are of like the gore grind grindcore uh nature so there's probably not going to be terribly long sets it's it's you know it's going to be a Gonna be a big old, big old grind fest, man.
2: I think it'll be fun. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. So like a lot of really good bands on it.
0: Yeah, and there's more to be announced too. I, I I'm not gonna spill any beans. But um for the people that aren't on Long Island, I got a couple of things here. Um I just saw my my social media feed here. Tuesday, July the twelfth, two thousand twenty-two. Our good friends ripping headaches promotions. Um, shout out to Hassan are booking Ecto Void. Uh former guests of the show. Shout out to Ectovoid. Um, they're playing with Night Hag and uh, Desilus at the Runaway DC uh, in Washington, D.C. That's Tuesday, July 12th. Um, former guests of the show, Ripping Headaches Promotions, booking a show for former guests of the show, Ectovoid, along with Night Hag and Desilus at the Runaway DC. Um, let me see any other shows I want to announce here. Uh, Saturday, July 16th at the Auto Bar, uh, which I believe is down there in Baltimore, Maryland. Ripping Headaches again. Uh, has left to die, playing leprosy in its entirety. Uh, Skeletal remains mortuous and perpetuated. Perpetuated still kicking around down there. I saw them before the pandemic. Good band, Perpetuated. Wow. Um, And while I'm at it, I'm just going to keep going here, man. Ripping Headaches and Savage Party presents Saturday, July the 23rd. Devil Master. Uh, The lousy, contusion, and stupid... Um, all performing in Washington D.C. at Songbird DC. That's um, July the twenty third. Devil Master at Songbird DC, ripping headaches promotions. Who
2: oh, um, will, yeah. When is this episode going to air? Because Pyrexia and Malignancy are, are doing a batch of shows together. Yes. Do you have that in, in front of you in New England? Yeah. It's but it's it's starting this Thursday the twenty third, which would be before the episode aired, but. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 24th to the 26th, they're playing in, uh, what is it, the Stone Church. They're playing on the 24th at the Stone Church in Brattlebury, Vermont.
0: That's probably, Saturday- that's that for the listeners, that should be today, the day this episode goes up on Friday. Okay. Friday the 24th. Uh,
2: the 25th at the Met in Rhode Island. Okay. Where's that? In the Texas, really small. Sorry. Pawtucket. Rhode Island
0: Pawtucket okay
2: and then on the 26th they're playing at Angel City Music Hall in Manchester I guess New Hampshire yeah that would be New
0: Hampshire out about well, they're getting out there they're doing they're doing the the, they're doing the scary New England thing where it's like
2: I like that Pyrexia was just playing a couple weeks ago they did a batch of shows with Immortal Suffering dude Pyrexia is getting out there like no one else right now yeah, no, it's it, I love it, man. They're uh they're a good band. It's nice to see them out on the road. I love the the
0: the, um, I, the Pyrexia and Immortal Suffering is great. I think Pyrexia and Malignancy is a really cool combination because they kind of they're both New York death metal. They're both legacy acts, uh, but they, they they have completely different takes on what they do.
2: Yeah, and I think that um I don't know who's singing for Pyrexia now, but there's nowhere. There's no chance in hell that that Pyrexia Singers is funny. As uh, Danny is, <laughs> well, Jim Jim so. Beach, Jim Beach is a different variety of funny. I'll, I'll, right. I
0: I think Danny would, I, Danny might win the joke contest, but Jim Beach, Jim Beach, you probably don't want to meet in a dark alley. All right, I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, Jim Beach, this, the current singer Pyrexy, but Pyrexy is a team. They always gotta, um, you know, sometimes they sub in, sub out to keep the keep the train moving, so to speak. Um, big shout out to them. I'm glad you brought that up, dude. I was actually gonna bring that up while we're doing our little show roundup. Here. Yeah, I just I
2: happen happened to see a few uh social media posts about it and I was just like, oh shit, I got to bring that up. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm, I was going to that... far enough away, but yeah, it's
0: Yeah, so 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 for in the if you live in the uh the New England area and you want to catch Malignancy and Pyrexia, that's this weekend when the episode's going up the end of June, June 24th, 25th. Tears for Fears uh at Jones Beach on Long Island, the 25th, this Saturday, by the way. Um if you want to pull the old boat up Uh, and listen for free but um, more importantly speaking of being on the waterfront do you remember the movie we're not in Halloween season right now but do you remember the classic movie Lost Boys Dave I do yeah do you remember a muscle bound man who played a saxophone
2: beautifully that was actually the first thing that that jumped to my mind when you said Lost Boys I was like oh there's the guy like the, the, the gyrating muscle man playing the saxophone
0: the first thing that jumps to most of our minds when we think of the classic hit horror film Lost Boys, starring both Corys in the 80s, is none other than brilliant um, and healthy uh, saxophone player Tim Capello, who is going to be appearing um, with Electric Grandmother and Airtex. Uh, At The Runaway in Washington, D.C., that's Saturday, July the 30th, Tim Capello, better known as the saxophone-playing muscle man from the movie The Lost Boys, will be performing live um, at The Runaway in Washington, D.C. at 8.30 p.m. That's a Ripping Headaches promotion. Hassan, this is actually like the second time Hassan has booked this man, which I love. It's like it's not metal, but it is metal in a way, you know?
2: I really appreciate that that guy is selling himself. (laughs) <laughs> as the guy from the lost boys like, yeah, and i i kind of wish i mean I, I don't know how it would have gone over like time in the last 30 years but like i'm glad that like he, we're at a point where he can just be like yo i'm the guy that was playing playing saxophone in the lost boys and people are like oh shit i want to go see that guy live and like he's i think that's great i think it, it's it's great that he's like you know he, he is apparently a notable saxophone player he's not just like an, an extra in a movie and he's able to kind of like just be like hey everybody like that's like the the attention getter that he's using and you know i'm, I'm hoping that the people are going to see him
0: yeah i think he probably still has a healthy following he probably does better than any of my death metal bands but but um but I that's mean, none that's of your all... death
2: metal bands were ever in the Lost Boys. That's so. a fair or, enough point to make. Or any movie with a uh, either of the Corys. So I, I think he's got that on you. Yeah, I made a bootleg
0: T-shirt with me and um uh uh Corey Feldman. But that's a whole that we, allegedly that's that's an allegation. But um uh yeah. So 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 Tim Capello out there doing it. Yeah, he was actually I I I, did, I looked this up the last time Hassan booked this guy. I kind of looked it up because I was having a similar reaction to, to like what you just described, like, Oh, he's, he's still in the game. Good for him. He was kind of like known as like the long haired muscle bound saxophone player. Um, Besides in that movie, I I, I want to say he worked for Tina Turner. I, he was like, like he worked with a few other artists throughout the eighties, but obviously the lost boys kind of being like the cult sensation. It is he's, He's very well known for that, and associated with, I guess, goth culture and metal culture and horror movie culture, obviously for those reasons. Um, But yeah, Tim Tim Capello, man. So that's kind of like our show roundup, man. I hope you guys could catch some of those shows. If you do happen to go to one of these shows um, that we're talking about, or like we like like uh, Dave just told me the um, uh, Pyrexia Malignancy uh, Obey june tour 2022 this weekend leave us a little voicemail or something man or shoot us a message or tell at least tell the band's heavy hole sent you um so so they know what's up and um i I think that should wrap it up dave i appreciate your recommendations um uh, big shout to new jersey keeping it fresh um and we will get to your third one another time i apologize for that and um, works, we, we hope you go to these shows uh nicole papastavru from Kalias. we really appreciate her time and we urge you to check out their new music and their video and everything that she was discussing on the program thank you to her for her time and dave thank you to you for your time sir
2: nice for having me man
0: yes of course man i appreciate both your recommendations um even uh uh the the third one that I didn't get to man we'll get to that one uh another time um just to leave one <laughs>